Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. If you've ever been in the audience of that storyteller who tells a long and lavish, well-detailed story, but at the end, you ask yourself, why did you tell me that story? I mean, was there a point? Planes, trains, and automobiles, John Candy and Steve Martin, he actually told him. The next time you feel that it's absolutely necessary to tell one of your anecdotes, do me a favor and have a point. It makes it so much more pleasurable for the listener. That's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and it is amazing to me how many people can, well, spin a yarn, tell a story, and go on for days, and come to the conclusion of that story, and everybody who's been listening, well, they didn't get a chuckle, they didn't get a laugh, they didn't get a hug, they didn't get a tear, they didn't get anything in the exchange except they gave up their time, while the storyteller... I guess, for lack of a better definition, entertained themselves. Because nobody else grew from it. Nobody else learned from it. Nobody else knows anything more now than they did before it started. In my opinion, in my experience, that's not good storytelling. You didn't choose the right story for the audience in front of you. You didn't tell the story in a way that people can walk away with something and go, I will never forget that story, or I'm going to make a change in my life because of that story, or I'm going to build a new relationship because of that story. I'm going to stop doing this and start doing that. I'm going to invest money. Anything. Now, the reality is most people who want to craft better stories, they want to tell better stories better, are doing so because they know it will grow their business. Because growing your business means more income, and more income means more freedom, and more freedom means you get to hang out with the people you want to, when you want to, where you want to, and how you want to. If that's not what you're looking for, then there might be another motivation for telling stories. But the truth is the same either way. No matter why you tell stories, you're going to have to invest something in that story. You're going to have to spend some time with it. You're going to have to rehearse it in your head or in front of the mirror or in front of strangers. You're going to have to invest a little bit of your own emotion in it because, frankly, a story that didn't make you laugh when it happened or didn't make you cry when it happened or didn't change something about you when it happened, well, it's, it's not worth retelling. I mean, try it. And people are going to look at you like, why did you tell me that? It's the awkward social gap of those who love to tell stories that, they have no merit to them. They have no, no meat on the bones. There's nothing to be gained by having heard it. So if you're going to be the storyteller in that situation, take some time to sit with the story. Let it ruminate. Have you ever been to this little restaurant in Dallas area? I guess they're around the world. I don't know. It's called the Melting Pot. And at the Melting Pot, they bring this pot of boiling water. And it sits on a sterno or on an electric plate so that it stays hot the whole time. And you have one for your chicken and one for your beef. And you can season up your beef however you want to or season up your chicken however you want to. And then literally put it inside the boiling water and leave it there to 
ruminate until it's cooked through. And of course, it's not advisable to cook, to eat it raw, but if that's what you decide you want to do, you can boil your shrimp in there, you can boil your chicken in there, you can boil your beef in there, and then they bring you 25,000 different sauces or chocolates or whatever else, and you get to dip those, and, and if you want to dip your meat in that, you could, but usually there's a teriyaki-style sauce or a honey mustard-style sauce, and there's some other goodies to go along with it, but when the chicken comes and the beef comes and the shrimp comes, it's always raw. You cook it yourself right there at the table. You got to ruminate it. And the longer it ruminates, the obviously the more cooked it is. But sometimes that ruminating isn't just boiled water. It's got seasonings in it. It's got salts in it. It's got different minerals in it. And so it tenderizes the meat while it's in there. And it comes out with more than just the flavor of a boiled piece of meat. Because the ruminating infuses into the substance more than what was there to begin with. See, when you, when you hear somebody say, I was, I was meditating, that the picture of meditating is the cow chewing its cud. And it's kind of gross, but cows have six different stomachs. And sometimes if they don't have anything to chew on, they'll kind of burp up something they had from before and start over again. But they're still trying to get all the nutrients out of it. They're trying to get the maximum nutrient value out of what they've taken in. That's kind of like your story. Whatever the story is. Now, I, I know, I know, I know. You live through the moment. You know it better than anybody else does. I, I don't disagree with that. I do wonder sometimes if the perspective that you have of your story is, is true, if it's pure, or if it's tainted by something you were experiencing at the moment. Was there some attitude going on in you that maybe caused you to look at that story and look at that event, look at that incident and go, ah, this is so frustrating. When everybody else looked at it, they go, yeah, but what a huge opportunity. Is it possible that when you go back and revisit that story, you, you don't see it the same? It relates to you differently than it did the first time? See, there's a lot of power in ruminating with your story and, and meditating on your story and walking through the process of your story. I recently gave a client the assignment. I said, I want you to think through the emotion of what it feels like to bam. And I gave her a very tight concise analogy. And I said, this is, a, this is a moment that only a fraction of people in the world will experience. And it's a fraction of those people who want to invest in you as a coach. Now, that fraction of a fraction, they make good money. And they will pay good money to get great results. And based on what you've already told me, you have the goods to deliver those great results. They need to know what you figured out. But you've got to figure out how to say that in just the right phrase. And so I want you to spend an entire day and just go through all the ways that you have expressed that emotion in your life. Different events, different incidences, different relationships. Was it a boss? Was it a client? Was it a spouse? Was it your kids? Was it yourself? Was it your own thoughts? that caused you to feel that sensation. And when you get your hands around that, start writing those phrases down that you said, the ones that came out of your mouth, the ones that you internalized, that you emotionally felt, that rattled around in your brain, and then they popped out in, the, in a phrase. Well, write that phrase down. And if you can think of more than one, then write down all of them. Because what we're going to do is we're going to embed them in the story in a place where... 
they seem innocuous to everybody else. It's just part of the story. In the in this moment, I felt like X. In this moment, I said X. But what we're going to find is there are going to be people in the audience who are going to be like, she's been reading my mail. She knows something about me that I haven't told anybody. It's true because you've had common experiences. And because you've had a common experience and you found a way to put your finger on that experience to express what that moment felt like, looked like, sounded like. And you can put it in a concise phrase. Now, there are going to be some people who go, I don't know what you mean by that. Or they see it in the context of the whole sentence or the whole phrase or the whole paragraph. And they're like, that was a, that was a cute turn on words. And that's all it is to them. And then there are going to be those that feel like you've just poked them right in the heart. And the difference will be the ones for whom that phrase kind of goes over their head. I mean, it sounds good. It fits well. It's well mechanized into the story, but it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't trigger me. But they may enjoy your story and say thank you and give you a high five and maybe buy a copy of your book. But the ones that feel like you just stuck a crochet needle into their heart and started pulling on threads... Those people want more from you. They want to know, how did you know? They want to know, where did you get that insight into my life? And better, they want to know, when you felt like that, what did you do about it? I mean, you seem okay now. And that's where the gold is. Now, here's the reality on the other side. Well, let me finish that part first. You've got to invest yourself in that story. You can't just ramble it off the hip. I mean, a lot of people are good at shooting from the hip. They, they don't have to put a whole lot of work into it. And I'll tell you, it's, some of those are my toughest clients. Because they're like, I, I don't need any help telling stories. I can talk just fine. You can. But can you be intentional about the transformation you're driving for the other person? Can you be intentional about the results that you want to get from them without being manipulative and salesy? Can you tell them in a coy way that I can help you without begging them for their business or beating them over the head to comply? See, a lot of people, they can talk for hours and at the end you wonder, why are you still talking? Others, they talk for a very brief period of time, but you feel like you've been had from the time they started talking because everything seems and feels and is manipulative. Those are completely different. In fact, I was with a client yesterday and they said, I love listening, listening to Chef Ramsey. And he was giving an illustration for cooking mushrooms. And he said, you know, if you have this kind of mushroom and you cook it like this, this and this, that's fine. But if you tried to do that with this kind of mushroom, that'd be an absolute disaster. And I'm thinking mushrooms, fuffrooms. I'm, I don't know one mushroom from another. I, I certainly wouldn't know whether one should be blanched and the other one glazed. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to blanch a mushroom to begin with. I mean, I can hear you say it, but give me a mushroom at a blancher? I, I don't know. I don't know from blanching mushrooms. I certainly wouldn't know from glazing mushrooms. I, I don't get it. But Chef Ramsey said it in such a way that this is kind of duh information, right? And you could see all the other chefs look at each other like, what's he talking about? He was talking over their heads, and they're all supposed to be professionals. They're supposed to be at the top of their game internationally. And he's still talking over their head. Now, there was somebody somewhere who went, yes, I'm so glad you said it like that. I was thinking exactly the same thing. That was so spot on. And everybody else is gone. 
see that level of intuition and experience and expertise, that, that level of the maximum ability to deliver. When you're a good communicator, you focus there. You focus on the ability to resonate with your customers and perhaps entertain everybody who's there, but not necessarily your customer. You speak straight to the heart of the ones that want to do business with you because you know something they don't know. There's a great value in that. A lot of people have a gift of gab and gab is about all it is. Transformation, getting to the heart of the matter, delivering the goods. That's a little different thing. Now, let me shift to the investment side of the listener. Because the listener has to be engaged in the story as well, meaning from the beginning of the conversation to the end of the story, they've got to, well, pay attention. <laughs> but they've got to hear what's said because it's easy sometimes for, even for a good storyteller to cause the eyes to glaze over and kind of roll back in the head. What's even more dangerous is when they get so deep into the word pictures of a story that the person they're telling the story to or the audience they're telling their story to feels like they're in a comic book novel, in their mind, in their imagination. They've gone to all these other places. They've, they've taken them somewhere besides in the room. And, and that's okay in certain cases. If, if fictional stories is your arena or fantasy is your arena, that's fine. You want to draw these word pictures. You want to be able to illustrate and use metaphors and use allegories and analogies so that people kind of see the story and the facts from all kinds of different directions. Those are all good things. But transactionally speaking, whether it's a hug that you want or a high five that you want, whether you want somebody to shake your hand and say it was a great talk or you want somebody to buy a book or you want somebody to sign up for something, a, a new insurance company or program or policy or sign up for your coaching program. I don't know. Whatever it is you want them to do. Maybe you want world peace. Maybe you want these two countries to stop fighting each other. Maybe you want a new policy in the school district or a new policy in the city council. But at the end of the story, there's something you want them to do. The audience has to make that commitment as well. The audience has to say, I'm going to pay attention long enough, invest myself deep enough. I'm going to listen to what you have to say, at least enough to be able to say, that's for me or that's not for me. And if the audience isn't willing to make at least that investment then you're wasting your presentation. You're wasting your talk in front of them. Now, odds are there's probably going to be 50% of the audience that's paying enough of attention at the end to argue with you about what you said. And 50% of the audience that zoned out, they were taking notes or playing on their social media and not really paying any attention at all. And of the 50% who are paying attention, they've made an investment. So what's their payoff? They invested the time it took to listen to your story and hear, are you going to make an offer for them that they can invest in to go to the next level? Or they've invested their time, they've invested their attention, what are you going to ask for them next? And will it be a payoff that's worth waiting for? See, there are a whole lot of people who can make an offer and even stack their offer. And they give you all this big value stack. You've all, you've all seen it on the webinars and everything else. They're all over social media. It doesn't matter if you're talking about buying the right kind of socks or, or building a million-dollar empire from your iPhone's video capabilities. Uh, all the webinars are out there. They'll walk you through the whole thing. And, and they stack 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 and they stack. And the investment at the end sounds like I'm getting $20 million worth of stuff for $9.97. Or I'm getting $10,000 worth of stuff for only $47. And 
And there's some kind of disconnect, some cognitive dissonance in the brain of the buyer that says, it seems like you're giving me a whole lot more than you're asking in return. And that always seems like a scam. It's natural within us, right? If you say to me, hey, I've got this Lamborghini in the parking lot. It's only a hundred bucks. You're thinking, did you steal it? Whose is it? What's wrong with it? What's going to happen after I buy it? And the same is true when the listener is investing, not only in your story, but in the results behind the story. They're asking themselves, if you're offering all of this and the price is so small, what's wrong with it? How come not everybody's buying it? Because they're looking around the room and they're thinking, that seems like such a great offer, but am I the only one concerned that it's a bad idea? Am I the only one concerned that it seems like I'm giving a whole lot more than I'm paying for? But the investment on the side of the listener has to be realistic. It's got to be reasonable. It's got to be justified. I mean, you don't want to tell a story about the time that your cat got loose and you had to chase it all over the neighborhood and then conclude that story with nothing else and say, <clears throat> I need $10,000 from you. And it don't work like that. And many people have got burned out on the stories of the children needing wells and the children needing food and the children needing clothing and the children that are being trafficked. We've heard those stories so many times. Some people get burned out on them but, and they're so generic. They're generic. They're not an individual with an individual result. It's not one person whose life has been changed because of. It's not even a community. It's like, generally speaking, we need water wells. Yes, Generally speaking, we need water wells. Mr. Beast, if I'm not mistaken, just spent about $6 million in Sub-Saharan Africa digging water wells, providing water wells for, for a lot of people. Good job. Keep it up. But it's a very generic ask, right? It's a very generic story. It's a very, yes, we need water wells. Yes, we built them. Now what? Kind of a reality. Unless you're one of the kids that lives in that community. And, and you spent the last summer walking five miles one way to the river to scoop out water that may easily contain feces from people upstream. But that's the only water you have. And the mosquitoes and the other death funguses that are in it, that's what you bathe in. And if you're not careful, that's what you cook with. And that's a reality that a lot of people live with. And to generically say that, that could be heart tugs, but when you meet that kid who's dying of diphtheria and malnutrition and, and starvation because there's no clean drinking water, there's no way to cook food, all you can do is eat it straight off the plains and, you know, if you're lucky, throw it over a fire. And that's the best you got. That kid, their parents, that's a whole different kind of story. But you've got to invest in gathering the details of that story. If you're the storyteller, you've got to invest the heart, mind, will, and emotions to listen to a story like that because it just tugs on you. But then there's got to be a reasonable ask on the other side. Okay, if you, if you feel for this child, if you feel for their family, if, if pity or compassion or desire to help motivation is, is welled up in you because of the quality of the story and the reality of the people's lives that you care about, then, then I'm going to ask you to do something. I just want you to give a nickel. Well, is a nickel going to save the kid? No. Is a nickel going to save the family? Uh, no. Is a nickel going to dig a water well? No. 
So you've driven me to this depth of emotion, but the action that you're asking of me, it won't really make any difference. It won't really do any good. Why would you even ask? See, that's what I mean when I say it's got to be justified. It's got to be reasonable. It's got to be balanced, at least to say, here's the size of the problem, whether that's your obesity or your diabetes or someone else's starvation or the collapse of your business or the broken relationships you have. And here's the cost of the solution. This is what it's going to cost us to fix this problem. If you want to end world hunger, we need this amount of money. If you want to bring water wells to communities, we need this amount of money. If you want to change your eating habits, it's going to cost you an investment like this. And the challenge for so many is that the investment ask and the justification, they don't match. They don't match. Because the story wasn't well-crafted enough to say, I truly understand the pain. I, I truly get it, what your need is. Or... Let me point to a need you may not have even known existed. But here's the ask on this side. I need X amount of money from you. I need X amount of time from you. I, I need you to send a letter to this number of people. Those are the kinds of asks that they have to be at least an equal ratio. Maybe they don't balance completely, but at least a, a reasonable ratio one side to the other to say, if you're going to ask of me $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000, then What's going to happen when I do that? Is it going to be a massive impact? I mean, I may never see my money again if I'm investing in water wells. I'm not going to get a check back for that. That money's just gone. But is it invested well enough in the right place that that $100,000 digs 10 water wells and saves the lives of 5,000 kids this summer? I'm all in with my 100K. But if what you're asking me is to put in $100,000 and it may or may not ever come to fruition. I'm not sure I'm in on that. I'm not sure I'm, I'm sold on that idea. But if you're saying that I can fix the problem for a nickel, perhaps you don't understand the problem. And so the balance between the investment that the storyteller puts into the quality of the story, the facts of the story, the details of the story, the research behind it, the emotional truth behind it, that's a big investment. That's a big investment for the storyteller. And it can't be a haphazard, flip it from the hip kind of talk. It needs to be very intentional, well-researched, well-thought-out, well-planned, well-executed. And on the side of the listener, you've got to be willing to say, I came to hear whatever it is that you have to say because I believe it's going to make a transformation in my life or the life of somebody else. And all I want to know is, how can I help? What do I do? Do I need to strap up my boots and, and, and go? Do I need to stop doing something or start doing something? Do I need to write a check? Do I need to make a deposit? What do I have to do to see that the conclusion of this story comes to a good end? And if none of that happens, if there is no investment on the storyteller's part, and there's no request for an investment on the listener's part, and the listener doesn't really pay half attention through the course of the story, then really all we're talking about is maybe a little entertainment and a whole lot of wasted time. I don't think any of us are excited about that idea. So if you're going to be a storyteller who drives true change, whether it's in the lives of the clients that you work with directly or the lives of the people that you serve around the world and your, your constituents, your clients, your donors, your givers are the vehicle through which that happens. You're going to have to invest yourself in those stories. And that might mean you're going to cry in public. Yeah, get over yourself. It's not about you. 
And it might mean that you're going to have to do a little more research and, and be more intentional about the phrases that you use, the specific ideas that you use. And, and sometimes a single phrase, a single word, turn your head and cough, can make an enormous difference in the depth of a story and who it resonates with. And if as a storyteller you're not willing to make that kind of investment, then keep on with your flippant stories. Shoot from the hip, entertain yourself, leave your audience numb, whatever. But if you're willing to make that kind of investment, then also make sure the investment that you ask of your recipients, your listeners, your clients, your donors, make sure the investment that you ask of them is justified in the quality of the story that you've given them. And the information and the emotion moves them to make the kind of investment that you're asking from them. And if you're the listener and you have an opportunity to invest to change lives, whether it's your own or people halfway around the world, Give it at least enough attention to hear the story, to hear it out, to listen for those key phrases that make you say, I, I just can't not help. I got to do something. I got to change me. I got to invest to change them. I got to do something. And if you're not willing to listen that deeply, then go fishing. Why bother listening to the story if you're not going to be at least invested enough to decide if they motivate you to take action? In short, though, storytellers who tell better stories better have greater results, whatever the intended action is. And listeners who devote their attention for the moment, rather than scrolling their social media while they should be listening, they find a whole lot more result and opportunity in life to move forward. So take the time to invest yourself in the story, whether you're the storyteller or the listener. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren. But uh, it was totally worth my time, and I really highly recommend it if you're looking to grow your ministry, grow your business, uh, grow your career. Uh, Lauren will serve you well. Thank you. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.